All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Welcome in to Daily Faceoff Live, your go-to source for everything hockey, live every weekday at noon Eastern. What's up, everybody? Welcome into Daily Faceoff Live. It is Wednesday, November 2nd, and we're streaming live on Twitter, YouTube, as well as, of course, dailyfaceoff.com. He's former NHL goaltender and current Daily Faceoff analyst, Mike McKenna. Mike, how you doing? I'm fine. Who cares about me? I want to know about you. You're at the World <laughs> Series game last night. You saw the Philadelphia Flyers or Philadelphia Flyers, the Phillies win. You, you doing okay in the big seat today here, Frank? I'm doing okay. It sounds like I smoked 14 packs of cigarettes last night. I think having COVID last week did not help. Um, mm. Yeah, not feeling, I would say, 100%, but I'm uh, I'm day-to-day and looking forward to getting back in the mix tonight. I'm going to play hurt <laughs> going back for game four tonight. You're grinding, man. Let's get it going. Yeah, let's throw two minutes and 30 seconds up on the clock, and let's start with this. Connor McDavid and the Edmonton Oilers win again. That's their fifth straight win. And when you look at McDavid and the goal-scoring explosion that we've seen after they take a 7-4 win over the Nashville Predators, when you look at McDavid and where he's at, 11 goals so far in 10 games. The pace is ridiculous to think about. But my question for you, as Connor McDavid has yet to hit the 50-goal mark in his career and leads the league at this point in the season, what is a realistic expectation in goals for McDavid this season? I think 50 is going to happen for sure. Uh, I think 60 is probably kind of what we're looking at as a high-water mark. And, and this is taking a lot into account. He's only scored 44 
as his previous high. And I say only, come on, Frank, we'd all take a 44 goal scorer in the National Hockey League. Um, but I just look at how he's playing and it's not all on his shoulders. It's not all on the rush. It's in different scenarios. It's power play. It's five on five. I mean, you look at the goals last night, it's a two on one that he rolls his wrists over while he's looking to pass and ends up shooting five hole, completely full Soros. Another play where he just picks it up right off the bat off a face-off draw from Dreisaitl. Like, he's doing it in a lot of different ways, but it's still in bursts, Frank. It's still three goals, one, two. Like, he's got six goals in his last uh, three games. And he's had spans where he goes a little bit dry on the goal-scoring front, not the points. So, Frank, I, I think probably 60 might be as high as we're going to see. Do you have a different opinion on it? No, I think you're right in the same wheelhouse that I am. I was thinking he's probably going to finish somewhere between 55 and 58, which is an enormous step forward for a guy that, as you mentioned previously, had only hit 44 as a career high. But I just look at how easy it is. You mentioned he also scores in bunches. Mm -hmm. I looked back at last season, he only had one hat trick and he had six two-goal games. So um, six two-goal games is 12, and then the three from the hat trick, that's 15 that were scored in bunches. That means he was a really consistent goal getter in terms of just, you know, one, 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 one. I feels like there's a bigger outburst there that he's had this season. Mm -hmm. and, and as I said, you mentioned all the different ways that he scored. It just looks easy. Tap-ins. He's in the right place at the right time. Goals and opportunities created off of the rush. And then that mm -hmm. power play, which could be clicking at a historic level when it's all said and done, given the talent that's on the ice. You know, I don't. Why can't he put up an Austin Matthews-like number this season? I don't think there's any reason that would – there's nothing that would preclude him from doing something like that. I agree with you. I think it, a lot of it really just becomes from his – even from his defensive play, Frank. Like, he's been way harder playing pucks in his own zone through the neutral. He, he's not just a one-dimensional player. He's turning into a force all across the ice, and ultimately that gives him the puck more often and gives him the chance to score. Yeah, well, just for fun, Connor McDavid on a 90-goal pace this season. It makes your head explode. <laughs> That'd be fun. So, it's at least certainly been fun to watch for, I don't know, 10% of the season to this point. So, um, yeah, let's talk about the Nashville Predators who lost to the Oilers. They're off to a rocky start, and they continue their uh, Western Canadian swing in Calgary on Thursday. When you look at this team, what's interesting to unpack, Mike, is we had so many question marks heading into the season. Can Philip Forsberg, Matt Duchesne, and Ryan Johansson get back to the level that they were at last season when they picked those guys up and, and basically pulled the Preds into the playoffs? What's shocking about this year is really how much UC Soros has struggled. Eight games played, mm -hmm. 898 save percentage from a guy that is not only a workhorse, but is also one of the very best goaltenders in the league. First off, it goes to show you, I think, how reliant teams are on goaltending at times. And, and second, if they're not getting it, what are the Preds? Are they potentially in the lottery conversation? I'm not bullish on the Preds. I wasn't bullish last year. Uh, and what you're seeing is, yeah, UC Soros has looked completely human. And previously, he carried that club. And you saw towards the end of last season a little bit that Soros couldn't keep it going the whole time, and then he was hurt at the very end of his playoffs. But uh, I, I just think in general, this club is, it's just missing. It's thin. Like you look at that forward group and there's been an attempt to have somebody jump up and take a top six spot. You're looking at Sherwood, Glass, Tolvin and Trent and nobody's grabbed it. And that's missing. They're not being able to score goals. And I've always said this about this club that everything goes through Roman Yossi. And sure, he's got a big pile of shots on goal. He's leading the NHL defenseman with 46 shots and the things that he usually does. But he's minus 10 in his last eight games. 
And that's not normal. And it's not just on one player, but it just shows that when your best player's on the ice for that many goals against, it's not just goaltending. I think this is just a thin lineup, Frank. Uh, and I said at the beginning of the year, too, that if Johansson, Duchesne, Forsberg, all of them didn't have outstanding years, just good years, this team would be in trouble. And I think we're kind of seeing that right now. When you're relying on one player like Yossi to really drive such a huge part of your play, is it easier to shut that down if you're the opposition, if that one player is also a defenseman, given the, the basically the length of ice that he needs to cover? Well, think about where his shots are going to come from, how he's going to do it, diving down from the point. Like when you're not as scared of those top six forwards, yeah, you can clue in on the guy who's driving all the traffic. And to my eyes, a lot of Yossi's shots have been perimeter this year. So um, there's room for growth, but I think teams have just figured out this club in Nashville that you take away those top players, you get shots, and you got a pretty good opportunity. I still like their decor, Frank. I just don't think they're getting enough help from, from the forwards in a lot of areas. One word answer, level of concern of, for the Preds on a scale of one to 10. Hi. Oh, well, on one to 10. Okay. Uh, let's go eight. Eight. Okay. Well, that is pretty high as you originally indicated. Yes. I would be right there with you. One, six, and one since heading over to Europe to start the season. Let's talk about another defenseman who drives a lot of play. And in the case of the San Jose Sharks, a good thing in Eric Carlson. He was the second defenseman to notch a four-point game on Tuesday night. Carlson was ridiculous with a hat trick. He's had an incredible start to the season, nine goals in 12 games for the Blue Liner, 15 points in those 12 contests. And when you look at Carlson and sort of the opportunity that's been created or open for him on the Sharks' Blue Line with Brent Burns no longer there, I felt like maybe those guys were in competition a little bit for some ice mm -hmm. time and some opportunity and basically just time puck possession time, time spent on the ice with the puck, that maybe now not having Burns there, you're seeing the true value of Carlson come back to life and probably not an $11.5 million player for each of the next four seasons. But for the Sharks, that you know their franchise now clearly trending towards a rebuild after three straight years in the lottery territory, is Eric Carlson suddenly a, an interesting trade ship for San Jose? Well, I got three questions for that to be answered for a team if they want to. And the first one is, can he keep up this level of play? I mean, he doesn't have to score every game or be 100 points, but can Carlson still be a reliable 70, 80-point defenseman that you're comfortable putting on the ice knowing the defensive liability that comes with it? Second question, does he fit your coach's system? Third, can you handle the cap hit? So there's a lot going on. I think the coach's system is important here. I, I don't think Carlson was a very good fit under DeBoer where – the, the mantra was to kick it to the point, throw it at the net. And if you look at Carlson's shot maps over the last couple of years, even with Bugner, it was all right at the blue line for the most part. Look at these clips, Frank. Like, he's mobile. He's active. The puck's on his blade. And I think what you said about Burns kind of limited that. You had two driving forces here competing for ice time. And even on the power play, they didn't really know where to put these two guys because they were both mainstays. And so I think you're seeing Carlson at his best because he's the man again. Like when he was in Ottawa, there was nobody challenging there. It was his team. He was the guy. That might be a tough fit for any other club in the league. But Frank, I think there really could be trade value if the Sharks would be willing to eat enough of that salary and a team will be comfortable having Carlson for the next four years. Well, that, that was the next question I was going to ask you. What would the cap hit need to get to in order for you to feel comfortable as someone acquiring Eric Carlson? What would the Sharks need to retain in order to make that a really attractive chip for you? For me, my guess is somewhere in the three to three and a half million dollar range. Do you think Eric Carlson can live up to eight million bucks a year? 
My answer would be yes. What say you? Yeah, I was going to go into the $7 million range just because you're acquiring a contract that's got four years on it and there's risk, man. Like Carlson is is not the guy you're going to put out to shut down anything. It's a pretty specific role. So I'd like to see San Jose even eating up to three and a half, four or four and a half million bucks on it. It's a pretty big ticket. Well, it's a pretty big thing for San Jose to then keep as dead cap money, which means mm -hmm. the price is going up significantly. And the trouble with finding a trade for Eric Carlson at some point is finding that sweet spot where you're actually getting something back in return that you can use to jumpstart your rebuild as opposed to just withholding just to get rid of the, the contract. So certainly going to be an interesting yep. name to watch as we get closer to the March 3rd trade deadline. Just two games on the slate, Mike, on this Wednesday. The Pittsburgh Penguins we'll talk about in a minute with Rob Rossi, but let's focus on where all eyes will be on a focus tonight in Toronto, the self-proclaimed center of the hockey universe with the Flyers visiting for an all-important early November matchup at this point with the Toronto Maple Leafs who went O for California and came back to Toronto with a city full of angst for their Maple Leafs given where they're at at this point and some of the comments that continued from their head coach and Sheldon Keefe on Tuesday, who said, we're kind of lucky to have 10 points in the bank with the way that we've played to this point. I think if you've watched with your own eyes, you would tend to agree that the process has not been there. That team has looked lifeless and listless at times. Their stars have not been their best players. And of course, they've struggled in net. What are you looking for tonight as the Flyers visit the Leafs? I think the Leafs have to have a consistent performance. I think they have to be not just good at the start, but finish the game the right way. You know, Philadelphia is coming off of playing in New York last night against the Rangers. They went to OT somehow because of Carter Hart and got him a point. But that Rangers club's probably going to be able to power through a period and a half of hot, good hockey, I would think, against Toronto. And if Toronto can't bring it for the full 60, it's going to be ugly. And I think this stage you're looking at Toronto at – the make it or break it point. Like this is the point of no return. It feels like if they drop five in a row at home against a, against a Philadelphia team, that's probably going to be playing their number two goaltender in Felix Sandstrom, who does not have a win in the NHL. He's 06 and one with a career 907. And he's only playing back to backs. Like this is as ripe as it gets for all kinds of drama to happen. No shortage of storylines. I think that if you're Toronto, you need a lead right away and you need to carry it and you need to drive that point home. Because anything less than a dominating performance, like eking out a win or an OT win, that's not going to cut it. Because Philly's going to play hard, but I don't know how much gas they have left in the tank, Frank. Well, you mentioned driving it home. I think that's the point. They actually started pretty well against the Ducks. Austin Matthews mm -hmm. was on point. He got a goal in the first you know, 10 minutes of the game. They cruised to a 3-1 to one lead. And you're thinking, okay, 31st place team in the league, surely they're going to lock it down. And by all accounts and rights, they probably should have lost that game in regulation if not for a strange goalie interference call with Eric Schalgren swimming around in the crease there. But my question for you is this, and I've heard this posed in a number of different places now as people look to Sheldon Keefe on the hot seat. If it really does come down to one game, the Maple Leafs winning or losing against the Philadelphia Flyers, have you not already made your determination about the status of your head coach moving forward? Oh, well, I think that's it. I think if tonight's game is pretty much if the Maple Leafs lose and they keep all the coaches in place, they're going for the rest of the season. That's my, that's my outlook on it because last year they did the same thing. You let them fill, you let see how it plays out over the rest of the year. I'd be surprised to see at that stage, if they actually let Keith go, I think it's more likely to let him stay. And it just turns into this is ride or die because if you're Kyle Dubas and you stick with Keith and it doesn't go well, like 
you know your job's on the line. You know it's probably up. So I, I, I'm curious to see how this all plays out tonight. Yeah, interesting spot. I mean, you look at it with the Toronto Maple Leafs after their lack of playoff success, they probably also don't want to let the players off the hook again either. So not really mm-hmm. a comfortable position for the entire organization at that point as the temperature has ratcheted up as the calendar has turned to November. Hard to believe. Uh, let's get to the All-32 today with our pal Rob Rossi. Pleased to welcome back to Daily Faceoff Live, Rob Rossi, who covers the Pittsburgh Penguins for The Athletic for this All-32 segment delivered by DoorDash. Rob, I want to start here. You had texted me last week and you said one-year anniversary and you had a little Mm -hmm. emoji in there and pretty emotional to bring you back on. You joined our show last October, laid down for a nap and basically woke up a different person uh, after your functional neurological disorder changed your life. So glad to see you back and, and close to full health. Just tell everyone who's watching, uh, you know, if you can in a couple seconds, what it's been like uh, to get back and, and back covering the Penguins in the rink again. Well, thank you. Yeah, it has been emotional. I'm about 90% back to my old self, uh, for better or worse, depending on, I guess, what you thought of my old self. But uh, um, it's been a lot of hard work, a lot of therapy. I've had a lot of support. Frank, you topped that list. So um I got to cover a road game. I'll be covering another. I'll be traveling more as the season goes on. Um, Stayed late at the rink last night to write a column after an abysmal Penguins performance. So, and I ripped them. So, uh, feels a little bit more like me. (laughs) Yeah, that certainly sounds like the old you. And we're really proud of all the work that you've put in and so glad to have you back. But let's talk about those Penguins because it has been pretty lifeless for the last few games. And, you know, it's kind of hard to fathom given how well they strong they started how strong they started you saw Sidney Crosby basically you know bursting out of the gate you go out west and it's almost like the wheels fell off what what what's happened from your point of view well I think you know they got caught a little bit up into their own um way they were winning those games early they weren't playing great teams early and they were boat racing a lot of teams they were scoring six goals at home every night and think they went out to Edmonton and, and tried to play that type of game against the Oilers and the Oilers reminded them that these are the 2022-23 Penguins not the 2012-13 Penguins and it's a little harder to keep up with those young legs. Calgary was probably a scheduled loss. Calgary had been off for three days going into that um, and then the Penguins were just bad at the end of that trip um, in Seattle and the night before that in Vancouver. So and they weren't very good against Boston. I know it's tough to judge because Boston's playing so well but had a three-goal lead. Uh, they're playing real sloppy with the puck in the neutral zone. Their defense has been um, wretched. Uh, Brian Dumoulin looks slow to the point of you wonder if he can be a top uh, four-pairing defenseman in this league. Chris Letang, who was sick, uh, has not played his best hockey. They're very fortunate Crosby and Malkin have been as good as they have. A lot like the Leafs, I think they're, I think they're extremely – lucky that they have the points that they have because they haven't played up to that point total even. Rob, I look at this club in Pittsburgh and I think that, you know, I had them picked as a Stanley Cup winner this year. And I still think that that could happen, but this last couple of games have been troubling. And, you know, I'll always look at a goalie first. Jari has not been good in the last several, but I don't want to pin all of it on him because I look at the, the penalty kill for this club in Pittsburgh and it's been putrid, like 28th in the NHL. Uh, they allowed another goal last night on it. I mean, is this team just missing John Marino and Teddy Bluger that much? 
or, or is there more to it as to why the penalty kill has been so poor? The loss of Teddy Bluger on the penalty kill has certainly hurt them. Um, but, you know, we heard all season that this, or all off season, that this would be a tougher team to play against from Brian Burke and Ron Hextall. quite frankly, management didn't make it tough to play against. They're, they're, they're easy to beat right now. And this penalty kill is a tire fire engulfed in a sinkhole right now. I mean, uh, they don't do things that even bad teams do. You see four guys doing different things on the ice. I don't know if Mike Vellucci, who's an assistant coach who runs the penalty kill, isn't getting through to them, or if um, it's simply a matter of personnel, but um, they do nothing right on that penalty kill. They've given up a goal in all but two games this year. Um, they're hovering around 70%. And when you combine that with the fact that the power plays, you know, only gotten goals because the talent that they can put on the ice, it doesn't seem to lack any cohesiveness. The special teams have been, um, you know, if there's a level below putrid, I would I would put it back there. And this is a team that I agree. I think this is a team that can uh, make a deep playoff run, but they need to win the special teams battle, and they're not doing that right now. And I don't know that Mike Sullivan has an answer for it. A tire fire engulfed in a sinkhole. That's how you know Rob Rossi is back. <laughs> but I, I want to yeah. ask the doomsday question, which is what happens if the Penguins don't pull themselves out of this in short order? There aren't, doesn't seem to be a lot of options on the table in, in ways in which Ron Hextall can turn. Mike Sullivan just signed a massive extension with the Penguins this offseason. He's clearly not going anywhere, is now, I believe, one of the highest paid coaches in the league. And then you've got a situation with a roster that's mostly locked in longer term that is older. What, what can they do to pull themselves out of it if it gets to, you know, DEFCON 4? I don't know that there's a lot they can do personnel-wise, Frank. I mean, I guess if you're FSG, the Fox, or excuse me, the Fenway Sports Group that owns the Penguins, you could consider making a management change. But, I mean, I don't know that they want to do that. But, like you said, Sullivan's contract makes him, you know, a non-issue in terms of a coaching change. Um, and not only do they have older players in long-term contracts, but a lot of those players have movement clauses. Uh, Crosby, Malkin, and Latang have no movement clauses. Guys like Rust and that have limited movement clauses. So I think you might see maybe them explore a trade of Brian Dumoulin if they can get anybody to bite. I think that's one of those trades that would shake up the room and get everybody's attention. But they just need to play better. I mean, they just need to be more consistent. And I know that sounds like a cliche, you just need to play better. But I mean, that, that's really what it comes down to for them. I mean, you see the talent on this team and yes, it's older, but you knew going into this season that the older guys were gonna have to carry a large load here because quite frankly, the bottom six is, is insufficient for a team that you look at and say has Stanley Cup aspirations. So they're gonna be top heavy on the front and they're gonna need to play and dominate top heavy on the front. I think the question they have is, can they figure out a way to work their cap so that they can get Bluger back and make any even incremental changes by bringing some, keeping some younger guys in the lineup in that bottom six? They only had 22 guys on the active roster when everything was healthy for them. And that's the way it's going to be right now. So short of them just getting their heads out of their you know where, I'm not sure what the Penguins can do about this. Yeah, I, I figured there might be some drama this season, and Pittsburgh wasn't necessarily expecting it 
in early November. Thanks so much to Rob Rossi for joining us today. This has been the All 32 delivered by DoorDash. You see the promo codes there at the bottom of your screen. Game Day 25 gets you 25% off and free delivery on your first order. You don't want to cook. All your favorites and more delivered right to your door by DoorDash. Thanks so much, Rob. Great to see you back. Thank you, guys. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. All right, Mike, it's time for our daily face-off inbox question of the day, and it's pretty simple. Which expected basement dwelling team to this point in the season has surprised you the most? You've got your usual suspects, the Kraken, the Flyers, uh, the Chicago Blackhawks, the Arizona Coyotes, all have probably, at least if you look at the standings at this point, been certainly better than you might have anticipated. Oh, the Kraken are five, four, and two. I never expected that. They're still pretty terrible defensively, but there has been a little bit of improvement there. I probably underestimated how important Andre Burakovsky would be for that team. So I'll go with the Kraken. How about you? I'm going to go with the Flyers. I mean, their coach, even at this point, John Tortorella, seems to hint that their start has been a mirage. But Carter Hart with a 943 save percentage and a 5-0-2 mark will cover up a lot of the mistakes that you have. Tortorella says they have a long way to go. Obviously, Carter Hart would as well in terms of putting together an entire season like that. But I don't think anyone expected to see the Flyers near the top of the Metropolitan Division, just a couple points off the pace. But I don't know. Weird things are happening in Philadelphia right now. What can I say? It's a city of winners. Let's bring in Tyler Uremchuk for our daily face-off points bet, daily bet segment. Tyler, has November been kinder to you than October was? No, um, I did have money on your Phillies last night, though. So shout out to the Phillies. That's why I'm rocking the hat today, because they won me some coin. But as far as my recommended hockey bets, we went one and two. Jack Eichel got the assist in overtime. It was plus 140, so we dropped 0.6 of a unit. Tonight, two games on the slate, courtesy of our friends at Points Bet Canada. Let's jump into it, because I, don't, I actually only have one play 
for these two games. And it's in that Toronto Philly matchup where the Leafs are massive favorites. I don't love that. I do think they're going to win tonight. I think they'll come out hungry and motivated, but the value is just not even really there on the puck line, in my opinion. But I do like an Austin Matthews prop. At first, I was like, I'm going to take him to score, but that's all the way down at minus 170. So I'm going to go a step further and take him over one and a half points. Simply put, Matthews has been one of the unluckiest players in the NHL so far this season. He's second in scoring chances per 60 at 5-on-5. Five five. He's third in shots per 60 at 5-on-5, five five according to Natural Statric. Yet his shooting percentage is 2.78% at 5-on-5. Five five. Last season, it was over 15%. It's plus 135 for Matthews to go over a point and a half, and I love him to do that tonight against the Philadelphia Flyers. I think there's going to be some positive regression coming soon in Matthews' game, and I'm willing to bet on it tonight at a very nice plus 135, Frank. I like that, and only one play. Maybe that gets you back in the mix, and you can ride from there. I will say, wasn't quite sure what to expect from the World Series last night on picking a side. Kind of had a bad beat. I went with the over seven and a half. The Phillies Ooh. have scored at least seven runs in each of their home games in these playoffs so far. And I'm thinking, well, the Phillies will get me there. But seven and a half to have five home runs and lose by a half is, I don't know, just about as bad as it gets. So uh, obviously was pretty excited with the win, but left with some mixed feelings, at least in terms of my wallet. Thanks to Tyler Remchuk for our points bet daily bet segment. And that brings us to garbage time with Mike McKenna. What's caught your eye? What's caught your attention from around the hockey world? Well, last night, Alex Stalock uh, took a big hit from Casey Sezikis of the New York Islanders. And Sezikis ended up getting fined $5,000 today uh, for this hit. He received a game, uh, five-minute major for goalie interference and a game misconduct last night. But I, I think that this is a scenario where, you know, you look at where Stalock is in his crease and where Sezikis is going. What Sezikis is guilty of is just not altering his path. He's going right to the net. Like he's, his feet are aiming right to the outside. But you'll also see that as the play approaches, Stalock moves into Sezikis to make that save. To me, this is just an unfortunate occurrence during the place of play. Like, I, I don't think that Sezikis was trying to hit Stalock. And I think that Stalock's just doing his best to make a save. And this is the outcome sometimes. Like, Frank is a goalie. Like, these are the plays that really make you nervous. And I even used to duck out of these sometimes in practice when I'd see somebody coming. So it's a tough play. You hope that Stalock's okay. He's in concussion protocol, at least is following the game. Um, but I think we see why the teams in the NHL are at least trying to protect goaltenders by, you know, making players aware that they have to be a little bit, um, just a little bit mindful when they head towards the net. Yeah, and you can see why the NHL's Department of Player Safety would also want to be mindful of trying to protect goaltenders as well, especially mm -hmm. given, you know, the teams complaining at this point how difficult it is to keep a third goalie in their organization. So, I don't know, uh, maybe the part about Alex Stalock kind of maybe leaning into it in his positioning. We'll just, we'll hope, Mike, that the goalie union doesn't see this clip. Well, I think he's just, he's making a save. I could go into the technical details on it. He's hes in a VH position, but uh, Stalock definitely doesn't want to get hit. It's just kind of how this play played out. But um, you just don't want to see it because concussions are no fun for anybody. And Stalock's played really well for Chicago this year. Yeah, and no fun for Sezikis. 5,000 lighter in his mm -hmm. wallet as well. Thanks to Mike McKenna. This will do it for this today's edition of Daily Faceoff Live. Thanks to Rob Rossi as well as Tyler Gremchuk and our head of production, Alex Allard. We'll be back with you Thursday, 12 noon Eastern. You know where to find us. Until then, enjoy the games tonight. Have a great day, everyone. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, 
HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. And let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.